Well, believe it or not, we are uh, a good six months into our study on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're not done yet. But we're getting a little bit closer, so don't lose heart. I hope for you this study has been as beneficial as it was to me, just getting to read and hear and learn more about what Jesus was talking about. And what I've come to find out is these words that he shares were not only just unbelievably compelling to the people who heard them as they sat there on the side of that mountain, it applies to us today. Sometimes we forget and and we, we hear it so many times that we really miss out on what the the meaning is. It reminds me of the slogan that Life Serial had years ago. They said, try it again for the first time. And so that's what I want us to encourage, I want to encourage each one of us to do as we're looking at these passages. Even though we've heard them, for some of us we've memorized different parts of them. Ah, we know that. But what does it really mean? When you're talking about uh, studying, there's, there's two big words that, that don't mean a whole lot, but I like to, to talk about them and think about them. One of them is called exegesis. And what exegesis does is it takes you, the reader, into the life of the story. And you ask questions about the culture and the context. And what would it have been like to have been uh, the bleeding woman or the sinful woman at the well or, or Peter around the campfire as he denies Jesus again to think about that? But the second one that I think is equally valid is this word we call hermeneutics. And that means bringing the text into our lives and saying, okay, now we know what it would have been like to have been there weeping at the feet of Jesus. What does it really mean for me? How does that apply to me in the year 2000? And so one of the things that I strive to do is to try to make make passages seem more simple where maybe we can make an application. And I'm going to ask again um, for your patience. This is just how I work. I I like to visualize things. Um, And Jesus did this too, much better than I could ever do it. Uh, But he uh, he didn't call them stories, we call them parables. Uh, But I can imagine there are many times that Jesus spoke in parables and he talked about some things that almost seemed ridiculous. We're going to look at one uh, in just a few weeks, the idea of there being a plank coming out of your eye. Jesus had these very vivid descriptions and and the time he bent down and wrote in the sand. And so there's some things that he did. Well, I want to do another one of those this morning because I want us to get an idea of exactly what we're talking about. When we look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and following. And I think we're familiar with that, but don't cheat ahead and look. Because I want to spend some time talking about what might it mean today. Uh, And so I've asked some special guests to come join me up here. Uh, Kenneth and Rita Taylor, would would you come up here? Um, They're a very special couple. Um, Well, one of them's a lot more special than the other. (laughs) Hey, you're welcome. Uh, and what I, what I want to do is, I think most of you all know these, these guys, uh, I'm going to use them as an example to talk about um, how to treat people, okay? And so y'all have been married 25 years, is that correct? Well, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to ask, ask you, when is your anniversary? February the 10th. February the 10th, so okay, very good, congratulations, 25 years together. Uh, did, you, did y'all celebrate, did y'all have some kind of a dinner or trip or do anything nice? I mean, it, you know, do something, well here's what we've done, we have recreated this very special moment 
And we're going to give you an opportunity to make up for all the things that, you know, all those years. I mean, because y'all been married for 25 years. I asked Rita and she says, well, we've been happily married for four. And I said, okay, okay. That wasn't entirely true. I may have made that up. Yes. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to recreate the atmosphere and we're going to give you an opportunity. We've set up uh, some chairs and table up here and we're going to act as though this is your anniversary dinner. But I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you some tips on some things that you need to do, okay, to help out. Okay, so the first thing is, it's really not necessary to hold her hand. I mean, that's, that, I mean, because manly men, they don't have to hold hands, you know, keep it down to a minimum. Okay, so why don't we make our way over to the, yeah, <laughs> make your way over to the table. Now, I want you to notice that her chair has not been pulled out for her, okay? Don't do it. She can do it herself. Okay, if you pull out her chair, what you're saying is, you know what, she's not able to do it herself. I, we messed this up a little bit. I, this has been bugging me the whole time. Let me fix this right here. There we go. This has been nice. And um, what we're going to do is, I, I want you to pretend as though you're on a date. Okay, the first thing is, um, avoid eye contact. Okay, there is no need for you to look deep, longingly into her eyes. Okay, that's not really that important. Okay, the second thing you can do, you can help yourself to the, the water um, if you would like. Uh, don't ask her if she wants a sip or anything, though. That's, that's completely up to her. Um, I, I want you to initiate conversation with him. Ask him how he's doing. And I want you to make your best effort to answer her questions in as, in as few words as possible. Okay. Do you think we can do it? So let's try this out. Ask him a question. Like, uh, uh, how was your day? How was your day, handsome? Good. Okay, good? You know, something like this, I'd just quit talking to him. <laughs> yeah, you'd quit talking to him then. But, but you, you should try to ask him another. So yeah. t- tell me, what happened in your day? What happened in your day today? Uh, just some work. Just some work? Anything, just... anything good happen? Did anything good happen? Oh, he got to come home. Is that a good thing? Most times. Most of the time? When dinner's not burned? It's good? Okay. Hang out for just a second. I need one more uh, special volunteer. Jennifer, will you come up here for just a second? I, don't lose me here. I want you to think because we're really going somewhere on this. So don't lose me here. I've invited my wife and this will never happen again because um, we're going to go home tonight, uh, today and she's going to, to hurt me. Um, but she is going to serve as the waitress today. So you're going to go up there, and you're going to ask them, how are, your, how are you doing? How are y'all doing? Good. Wonderful, thank you. Okay. You're going to notice that she is a very beautiful woman. And she is. And she is. And so you are going to focus your attention. Um, you're going to ask the same questions that Rita asked. Say, how are you doing? And now I want you to give a more than a one-word response. Doing very well today. Thank you. How are you? Oh, wow. oh, wow! And did you notice there was there was some eye contact? Now let's go ahead and do this. If you don't mind, will you kind of slide? Just kind of slide your chair out this way, and there we go. Okay, okay. So um, you look nice in that maroon shirt. You look very handsome in that maroon shirt. Well, thank you very much. You are very lovely yourself. Okay, okay. <laughs> 
Um, I also offer counseling later on if this is going to be necessary. Okay, a big big bouquet of flowers. Okay, so you you go take go take their order. You can just go over there on the other side for just a minute. Okay, she's gone, um, and now you're back to having conversation with one another. And she's going to ask a question. And do you happen to have a cell phone on you? Okay, would you mind getting that out? And here's what's going to happen now. And sadly, folks, I'm going to divert for just a second. Do we not see this all too often? Okay. Um, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down at, at a public place and saw a family of four, and all of them have their phones out, and they're doing this right here. Okay. I, and I, I mean, I have a lot of things, a lot of good things happen with cell phones, but all the games and gadgets and Facebook apps we have on there. Okay, so now you're going to start looking at your phone, and now when you ask questions, don't even pretend, just go, uh, okay. So how about that? Okay. He's checking the scores of the game right now. Uh, don't you see this is more important? Oh, ooh, he's about to get a high score on Angry Birds. That is great. That is really, really nice. Okay, uh, waitress, would you come back in? Okay, now all of a sudden... The phone is going to be put up for just a moment, and he's going to give his attention back to the waitress. Do you need anything else? Uh, I, 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 oh, I might like a little dessert. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, very good. Okay, thank, thank you very much. You may have a seat. You did a wonderful job. And, and you too, I want you to stay here for just a second, because I want to talk about this. Um, we laugh about this because it's a little joking to think that this is the way that a husband, uh, a wonderful husband of 25 years would treat his bride. That just wouldn't happen. But, can I suggest that in some ways, this is how we treat God. I want us to think very specifically about your relationship with Jesus Christ and how often you initiate communication with Him, how you treat Him, and what attention, time, and resources do you you offer to Him. Is He the one that when you're sitting at the, the table together, that He has your undivided attention? That you want to hang on every word that He says. That you long to hear Him speak. Or are you the one that's just a little too busy right now? God, wait till Sunday. Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. I'm all yours. You have me from 9 to 10. Maybe I'll go to class. That'll give us another few minutes together. Then we'll focus. Are you the one that's distracted? Are you the one that's paying attention to someone else? Uh, is it fair to describe God? Let's, thank you very much. I'll, I'll go ahead and let y'all have a seat. You can take your water with you. You, my friend, will be walking home today. <laughs> She's changed the locks. I want us to grasp the understanding of how we should treat God and how He's not simply 
um, a drive-up um, speaker in which we pull up and say, God, this is what I want. Give me this and this and this. And we drive up to the window and we demand it and we drive off and we don't want to have any type of dialogue with him until it's time for us to get something again. This is a true story happened about... 20 years ago, I was studying at a, a junior college, and I was in a speech class. Uh, and, and the professor there, he was trying to convey the importance of the fact that everybody has their personal space, and, and talking about that, trying to make an analogy. And so he, he turned to this young man uh, who was uh, probably 18, 19 years old, and, and he, said, he, he said, Luke, I want to ask you a question. He says... Um, if you were out on a date with your wife, uh, excuse me, with your girlfriend, and somebody comes up, this guy comes up and starts flirting with your girlfriend, and gets in her personal space, and he's real close, and he starts whispering in your girlfriend's ear. He says, what are you going to do? And Luke said, I mean, just like this, he says, he says there's no doubt, I'm going to get up and I'm going to deck that guy. I'm going to knock him straight to the ground. Because nobody is going to mess with my girlfriend. She's mine. So he thought that was interesting, and he didn't plan what was going to happen next, but he turned to this uh, older woman. She was going back, I say older. She was probably in her 30s, but I was 18, so she seemed older at the time. <laughs> and she had had children, and she was going back to get her degree, and she, had, she was married and had children. And the professor turned to her, and he said, Okay, Sarah. He says, let me ask you a question. He says, what would happen if you're out on a date and some young, good-looking gal comes up to your husband and starts talking to him and starts whispering in his ear? And, and I was sitting in this class. She, she, says, she says, I would go right up to that woman. I'd look her in the face and I'd point at her and I'd say, I just want you to know, if you try to take my husband, you've got to take the kids too. <laughs> So are we more like the woman who's willing to release our relationship with God? Are we the one who's going to be jealous? I want you to know this. You need to know God is jealous. God is very, very jealous towards the relationship that He has with you. He wants no one or nothing to get in the way between you and Him and the relationship that He created for you to have from the very beginning. I have a beautiful, wonderful, lovely wife. And we've been here a little over a year and so many of you have treated her so kindly. I can't thank you for the times that you've sent cards or you've made a phone call or our greeters, when she walks in, they greet her and are sweet on her and are so kind and the conversations and the relationships that have been built, that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you have that. I'm so thankful that you treat her so well. But let me tell you, there are lines which you cannot cross. You just need to know that. That it is okay to open the door for her. It's okay to pull out the chair for her. You may not, Rusty, kiss my wife. She's mine. You can give her a hug. You can shower her with kindness, and you have done that so well. You can be kind to, to my wife. You can open the door for her. But you may not do that. 
Kissing is my job. It's my department. And I'm not going to let you take that away. That's what I get to do. God wants that relationship with you. He's jealous for it. Nine times in the Bible, God is described as a jealous God. He does not want to share with anyone else. Make no mistake, God does not want half of you. He doesn't want you once a week. God doesn't want the occasional phone call. God wants all of you. Jesus is very specific about this as we look at our text for this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is good, your whole body will be good. But if your eyes are full of darkness, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I want to stop there for just a second because there's a word here in the Greek that that scholars have trouble translating. They're not really sure what it means. It's the word good. And typically, agathos is the word that they would use for good. This is not the word used. In fact, the word that is used might be better translated as possibly as clear, is another word, uh, or single. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are, this uses the word healthy, if your eyes are single, If they're clear, and I'm going to stretch out the word a little bit. I'm going to use another word. I'm going to say if your eyes are focused, your whole body will be full of light. The idea of the Greek using a word that can mean single is indicating this. You have eyes for only one person. And that's for God. That's how he describes, Jesus describes as having good eyes. Eyes that are focused not on a career, not on a car, not on retirement, not on happiness, not on wealth, not on that next promotion. That your eyes are focused in on God and God alone. Because if your eyes are focused on Jesus, then your whole body will be good. It'll be full of light. But if your eyes are not focused on Jesus, then your whole body is full of darkness. Now, I haven't done a lot of studying on this, but one of the words that I'm familiar with is what... what um, ophthalmologists would call your periphery. It's, it's like the vision, uh, that the, the outside, the sides that you can see. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do this, but if you're focusing hard on something else, you can kind of see shadows and images a little bit. But in order for that to see it clearly, you have to turn. What I say is this, you can only see, you can only see focus on one thing at a time. You're not going to be able to focus in, and, and you can try this, not now, not now, but later on, try to focus on two different things at, at the same time, maybe different parts of the room, try to imagine yourself seeing them both at the same time. It's not going to work. 
You know, just like you would imagine watching a, a TV, they, they do a lot of emphasis when you see something close up, it's clear. And then when they want to focus in on something far away, as they zoom in on that, that object that was close becomes very blurry and you can't see. You can only focus in on one thing. And Jesus understood this very well. And he said, here's the deal. Don't just try to spread out your focus and give God a little bit. He's got to have everything. This is not the easiest sermon to preach. In fact, the, the more I study through the Sermon on the Mount, the more I've scrunched up my toes because I realize that the things that Jesus is calling me to is very radical. Because the world says, you know, God wants us to be uh, happy and healthy and smiling and wealthy and He wants us to have a great career and all He wants to do is make everything wonderful for us. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that God's goal in life is to make you happy. I think God created you so that you might praise Him. And in seeking a relationship with Him, you will have more than you could ever ask or imagine. But if not, you're walking around blind. How many of us have treated God the way that I forced Ken to do this morning, Kenneth to do with Rita? Where we're paying attention to something else that we're not really willing to give God our all. Now, even when it's time for the ticket, sometimes we have this give and take. You know, I got it. You know what? I can handle this. I can, I can take care of it. Uh, one of my favorite stories talking about dating happened to um, a friend of mine years ago. Uh, this husband and wife, they were engaged at the time. They were in college. They each had a roommate, and they decided that they would do this kind of blind double date. And uh, the, the young lady's roommate came with her. Uh, the, the man's uh, roommate came with him. The one problem was is, is the guy, he was um, <laughs> cheap is the best word I can use to describe him. So they decided to go on this date, and they had agreed ahead of time that they were going to go Dutch, that each of them were going to pay their own way, and it was time for the, the ticket to be paid, and that the waitress brought out the ticket. Uh, the girl there who was going on the, the double date, the blind date with the man, uh, she looked and she pulled out her portion and she paid hers. And after she had done that, uh, the, the guy looked over at the, the ticket and pulled out a buy one, get one free coupon and set it down. I got my half. I'm good. I'm okay. They didn't go on a second date. That was it. That, that was the end. That, that coupon did an end to, to the dating for the two of them. Have you ever tried to bargain with God and say, you know what, I'll pick it up. I, I've got it. I mean, don't forget God. I mean, you know. You know me. You know I go to church. I mean, I can handle this. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll take care of it this time. We fail to realize exactly what God has done for us. And we cheapen His sacrifice when we think we can do it on our own. You may ask, why would I stand up here 
and imply or outright say that you should give everything that you have to the Lord. Isn't that a little unfair? I mean, I think the Old Testament talks about 10%, plus I come to church. You know, why would you want any more than that? And my question is, do you think that satisfies God? To think that you give half-heartedly? Would anybody want to be in a relationship like that? 25 years, 6 months, tops. I mean, that's how, that's how that relationship would end. If that's the way you're going to treat your spouse, that you're flirting with the waitress, playing with your phone, and not even attempting to have a conversation, that relationship is just going to die out. And that's why I give thanks to a God who offers grace. Who even in the times where we've sat at the table with Him and completely ignored Him, or we've had our eyes focused on other things, God didn't give up. But He's not set on leaving us where we are. He calls us to a greater place. I want to close out with this verse. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think we could include other words. You cannot serve both God and career. You cannot serve both God and popularity. You cannot serve both God and... What is it? What is it that, that, that really seems so important? I want to challenge you to be reminded that there is a God who is jealous because He loves you and because He gave everything for you. Why do I stand up here and say Jesus asks for more? Because God didn't give any less than the very best He had to offer. And He calls for us to worship Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, is working for the Lord and not for man. This morning, I want to ask you to look at your life and your priorities. Imagine yourself sitting across the table from Jesus and ask yourself, do I really know Him and does He really know me? Have I made an effort to focus on Him, to look at Him, and to make changes in my life? If you feel like you've fallen short in your relationship to Jesus, I want to ask you to make a, a commitment to starting today that you, you make changes in your life that put Him back at the front, seated at the table, gazing into His eyes and longing to hear Him and know about Him and stop thinking about all the things that this earth offers and see Jesus again for the first time. 
If there's a way that we can assist you this morning as we sing this invitation song, we encourage you to come forward and make a public confession if you choose. If it's more private in nature, we have Bob, one of our shepherds, is heading back to the family room. You can go to, back to that room and he'll pray with you privately and confidentially. If there's any way we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.